inside myself when I was writing the melody, but these are just a guide for you. I want you to be inspired from them and create your own chord structure from the inspiration or from the feeling of what I've written. And that way, constantly, a new chord structure will be uh, evolving, and we will be constantly modulating, and we'll be listening to each other, and we will make some exciting music. And that's exactly what happened. Were you surprised at how controversial the music was when you started playing it? You know, a lot of people couldn't, couldn't handle it at all, musicians, listeners. I was very involved in learning about the playing. We were all involved because it was a brand new language. Uh, we didn't even think of it as being a brand new language. We, we only thought of it as we're hearing something and we got to play it. And we were constantly learning about what it was we were doing. Things were being born every day out of what we were doing. And... Um, there was a lot of controversy around us. When we opened up at the fight spot in New York, fights used to break out right in the club. People would be putting us down. People would be praising us. The club was packed every night with everybody from different parts of the art world, painters, famous writers, uh, filmmakers, dancers, uh, musicians. I would look out, and uh, in standing at the bar would be Paul Chambers, Percy Heath, uh, Charlie Mingus, and they would be looking dead in my eye, you know, and uh, saying, okay, what are you going to do? And uh, I would be playing and have my eyes closed, and one night I opened my eyes, and there was Leonard Bernstein with his ear glued to the front of my instrument. And I looked over our nose, what is this? He says, I'll tell you later. And uh, then we were invited to Leonard Bernstein's table. He invited us to the Philharmonic rehearsals, and he couldn't believe that I was self-taught, and he wanted to try and and get me to study music, and he was very helpful in me getting a Guggenheim Fellowship ten years later in composition. But uh, it was like that every night. It was very exciting. Uh, the violence wasn't exciting. I mean, people, I, one guy set somebody's car on fire one night, I remember. Somebody came back in the kitchen. We were standing talking with Ornette, and I won't say who it was, and hit Ornette in the face. You know, I mean, it was really a very... Um, uh, strong uh, ex excitation time. Um, new things were happening not only in music but in people's minds every night from that music, you know. And um, people were always asking me why I was the only white musician, and uh, I never thought about that until people asked me about it, you know. And but that's the way life is. That's the way human beings are. Charlie Hayden recorded in 1985. We talked more about Ornette Coleman in our 1996 interview. Now, when you were young, in your early 20s, I guess, you started playing with Ornette Coleman's group. When you first met Ornette Coleman, which was before he was, was known to anyone, what was he doing that coincided with what you wanted to do? <clears throat> I'd been going to a lot of jam sessions and, and playing in L.A., with a lot of different people and sometimes I would hear I mean I love playing on chord changes that's the reason that I love this music and I love improvising on beautiful changes that inspire you but sometimes I wanted to stay on a certain part of the song and keep playing and sometimes I wanted to play on the inspiration of a of a piece rather than on the chord structure but I mean I couldn't put it into words back then but I whenever I tried to do what I was hearing people would get upset and and um, 
And when I when I heard Ornette play, that's what he was doing. I mean, he, that's the way he played all the time. How do you think your playing was was permanently changed by playing with Ornette Coleman? Well, it wasn't changed. It, it was it was really deeply affected. I mean, it was a way that I learned about listening to the musicians that you were playing with at the moment you're playing with them. It's so important to to listen to everyone. Uh, and and that's the way it was really affected by by playing with Ornette. Plus the, the fact that I developed this this uh, really strong desire, uh, you know, to play with my whole life on the line, to 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 be willing to give my life for every note I play. That every note is really really important. Uh, each note for people to hear you know the reason that we're playing this music is to bring more people to this art form so that they can see that it's a beautiful art form and it can touch their life in a really great way and enhance their life and um that there's an alternative you know this this music is an alternative for people to know about and and uh, to experience so um I think that's why we were all playing. That's why we. That's why I play now is to is to bring people near this art form. that you're the most melodic bass player that I can think of. And oh, thanks. Yeah, especially when you're improvising. There's there's a sense of melodic sweep to the lines that you play. I think a lot of mm. bass players just think more harmonically and they mm -hmm. think about rhythm, but, but not so much about melody. Well, I, I was brought up with melodies all my life from the time I was... Well, even before I was two, when I started singing on my parents' show radio show every day, my mom told me once, she said, you know, when I used to rock you to sleep... I used to uh, hum all these songs. She knew all these great folk songs like Barbara Allen and and Mansion on the Hill and and uh, Silver Threads Among the Gold and and uh, Wildwood Flower and and she used to hum all these songs while she was rocking me to sleep when I was a baby. And you know, one of my brothers and sisters would be walking through the living room and she while she would be humming in in the rocking chair and they would start humming the harmony with her. Because everybody sang har all the harmony parts on our show, they all knew how to do that by ear, and um, and then my mom would would s sometimes switch to the harmony, and they would switch to the melody, and I was hearing all this stuff, and she said one day she was humming to me, and, and I started humming the harmony with her, you know, and and before she said, well, I guess that's a signal for you to go on the show, you know, so I started on the radio show when I was 22 months old. It's real important melodies and harmonies. You know, I I tell my students at Cal Arts that uh, they should be able to harmonize every melody that they know by ear, every harmony part, and it's it's so important. I was really lucky to be brought up around melodies of the Carter family and the Delmore brothers and Hank Williams and all those people that my parents knew, and and I guess that was my it was a very strong musical training uh, in my young life. I um, I acquired uh, a melodic sense very early on. I'm, I'm very, very fortunate that I was raised around that great music. 
Charlie, how do you see the role of the bass in a band? You know, I think a lot of people think that since the bass isn't usually the lead instrument, that it's uh, kind of in, in the background someplace. As the leader of a group who's a bass player and composer, how do you see your, your bass fitting in? I think the role of a bass, bass player, uh, as far as, uh, as in the rhythm section, is to really lift everything up and make it deeper and make it more full uh sounding um you know when, when i was a kid listening to, to classical music on the radio or whatever i was even in country music when the bass player stopped playing it's kind of like the depths kind of left the music for me that's why i always wanted to play bass and and it's really important if bass players enhance everything behind the soloist so that you can inspire the other musicians to play better than they've ever played before. That's what I always try to do. What part did you sing with your family when you were a boy? And, and your family had a country music radio show and, and yeah. performed country music all around. I sang all the harmony parts. Uh, you know, I couldn't wait to get to the studio every day. I loved it. Every day, my parents would choose the songs that we were going to play out of their vast library of songs from the Carter family and the Delmore brothers and and all the hymns that we had and and uh, we would go over them and and then we would go on the air sometimes we had we had radio studios in our homes wherever we were living we moved around a lot and but mostly we would go to the studio at at the radio station and do our show every day I loved going to the studio and and uh, I like the air conditioning and the and the, and the acoustical <laughs> tile, you know, the acoustical tile and and the and the big windows, you know, that had triple quadruple glass. And this was back in 1945, 46, 47, 48, 49. Um, it was a it was a great experience. I can't believe you uh, had radio studios in your home. Would you do remotes from your own home? Yeah. Uh, you know, when, where I was born in Shenandoah, Iowa, we were on a radio station there called KMA. It's still there. And uh, my dad moved our family to Springfield, Missouri, in the Ozark Mountains. And my grandparents, uh, my father's mother and father, uh, had a farm outside Springfield, and my dad always wanted to do farming. So he uh, he got this farm down the road, you know, gravel road. I went to a one-room schoolhouse there, Bellevue School. And in our farmhouse, my dad uh, had the radio station come out and hook up a remote thing where, you know, those the, the things that you ring where you turn the crank? Mm-hmm. You know, well, he used to turn this crank, and, when, and the ring would go into the studio in Springfield, and that was a signal for us to go on the air, and we start the theme song, and, and and we did it from our, we did our show from the radio, from our home, from our farmhouse, uh, for several years before we moved into the city, and uh, and went o- went over to the station every day. So did did you play in churches and at uh, uh, revival meetings and stuff in addition to singing on the radio? We played in churches. We played personal appearances all over. And my parents were on the Grand Ole Opry mm. quite a few times. You, you know what I'm wondering? If singing at at at, at churches and other you know other like religious events. Uh, revivals, whatever. Does that give you a sense that music had this spiritual potential in it? 
Well, um, the, the hymns, especially that we sing, you know, and then my mom used to take me when I, I don't know why she chose me to take, but I was one of the, I was the one child. She had six kids, you know, I had three brothers and two sisters. And several Sunday mornings, uh, quite a few Sunday mornings, actually, when I was around nine years old, she would take me to the African American church in Springfield. It was just one of them. And, uh, and we would go in after everyone was there, we would kind of like uh, quietly go in the, 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 the entrance and we would sit in the back row and uh, we would just listen to the choir. It was like one of the most beautiful things that I've ever experienced in my life to hear that music, the spirituals and and uh, the gospel music. And uh, I'll never forget that. Yes, um, I had a really early uh, contact with with spirituals and hymns and and I had a feeling right away that uh, there was a spirituality in music I mean you know when you talk about jazz uh, I believe 85 90 percent of improvisation in jazz is spiritual you know it's a spirituality that's uh, you can you can go to school and learn the academics of music and the fundamentals and scales and chords and composition and all that but when you start to play and you tell a story to people and you take people on a journey that you want to take them on, um, it's all about spirituality. Charlie, a recent album of yours uh, is an album of spirituals, hymns, and folk songs, and it's, it features you with the pianist Hank Jones. It's an album of duets. Uh, are any of these songs songs that you used to do as a child? Yeah, we used to do um, A Buy With Me and... and um, uh, some of the other hymns that we do, Amazing Grace, on the album. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, actually every hymn that's on, the, on, the, on Steal Away, we, we used to sing. And Hank and I chose which hymns and, and which spirituals. Uh, he had a lot of spirituals. Hank was from the spiritual part of it, and, and uh, he knew all these great songs. And, uh, you know, my favorite one that he that I've ever heard him play was It's Me, O Lord, Standing in the Knee of Prayer, and that's the one that I heard on the Smithsonian Collection of Jazz Piano that inspired me to do the record with him, and uh, I called him as soon as I heard it, and I said, man, that's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. Could we play spirituals together sometime? And he said, Charlie, I'd really love to do it. Let's do it. You stopped singing as a child for a while because, um, I guess you stopped singing altogether because of polio? Yeah, I... I had uh, bulbar polio, <clears throat> which...